Thank you for listening to this resource. Um, your mind is an amazing creation of God. It handles billions and billions of bits of information. It can process 800 memories per second for years and never get tired. No computer will ever compare with the computing power of the brain. And the, and the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are what you think. More than anything else, what determines your life are your thoughts, not your background, not your genes or hereditary, not your environment, but what you choose to think about has greater influence on your life than anything else. Think about that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you are serious about changing something in your life, whatever area it is, you have to start by changing the way you think. This new series, Clear Thinking, we are going to be looking at thinking clearly about your life and future. Because as Christians, sometimes we forget that God has blessed us with the capacity to think. Beyond praying, God wants us to pray, yes, but God wants us to think and think clearly. So in part one, we'll be looking at thinking clearly about problems, part two, about finances, part three, about stress, part four, about spiritual growth. In part five, we'll be looking at thinking clearly about sex, in part six, about relationships, in part seven, which is the final part about life change. This is part six, thinking clearly about relationships. Um, before we, we, we delve into our teaching for today, um, we, I just want to do a recap of, of, of last week and, um, and the fact that we are actually in part six of seven of this series, um, Clear Thinking. Last week was part five, and we saw that, you know, God wants us to think clearly about sex. God wants us to think clearly about sex. And, and you know, the question was how to stay pure in a sex-saturated world? How do we stay pure in a sex-saturated world? And we explained that, number one, we should make commitment to God's standard. We still have our notes. We should make commitment to God's standard. And, and we said that um, the S letter word, because of the minors that are here, um, is between a wife and a, and a husband committed in a marriage relationship. Anything outside of that, it's an abuse. It leads to shame, it leads to reproach, it leads to confusion, it leads to pain, art, Causes all sorts of things, follow it, and you don't want to be a partaker of that. Praise the name of the Lord. And we, we, we saw that to stay pure in an S saturated world, number two, I must manage my mind. I must manage my mind. And we saw how the uh, media tends to numb us and make us insensitive to things that should be appalling to us. And number three, we said 
to stay pure, not only must I be committed to God's standard, manage my mind, I must minimize the opportunities for temptation. I don't expose myself to temptation. Why? Because the word of God says that he that thinks his stands should take heed lest he falls. So the moment you think you are standing, you are at danger of falling. The moment you begin to think, oh, I'm above that, you are, you are in danger of falling. And God says, be careful. Praise the name of the Lord. And um, number four, we saw that we should not only commit to God's standard, we should not only manage our minds, we should not only avoid the exposure of temptation. Number four, we should amplify the what? The consequences of, of sin. We should amplify the consequences of sin. And we need to articulate it clearly and see that it is so unwise to go down that route. It's totally unwise. And we, we look at the, um, um, the fact that, you know, nobody falls into sexual sin. It's not that you're just going, jay, jay, and you just trip and fall. No, no, it doesn't happen like that. There's a process. Everyone say process. There's a process to it. And we explain the process in detail. You, and I would encourage you to get the seat if you, if you weren't here and just um, listen to it. Then finally, we, last week, we looked at the path to purity. And we, we explained that Purity starts with repentance. It starts with repentance. Then, secondly, we have to receive forgiveness. Sometimes we've repented and God has forgiven us, but, you know, we are so ashamed of ourselves and, and what we have done that we let ourselves down. Like, how could I be so stupid? How could I be so um, ignorant? Yes, you were stupid. Yes, you were ignorant. Now is the time to move on. God has forgiven you. Praise the name of the Lord. And we saw that not only should we repent and receive forgiveness, we should refocus our priorities and replace our priorities, the wrong ones, with the right ones. And number four, in many instances, we may need to request for help. We may need to ask for help. You've done the first three. Sometimes you need to find someone to be accountable to, someone that you hold you accountable to this standard of God's word. And today, we are, like I said, in part six of seven on this um, series, Clear Thinking. And we are looking at thinking clearly about your relationships. Thinking clearly about your relationship. I want to assume we all have the outlines, right? And if you, are, um, if you don't have a folder, um, we can get the flat files for free at the back at the end of the service, or you can go to the resource stand and pick up um, one of these. I'm not sure it's for free. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, thinking clearly about our relationships, the truth is that the quality of your life is directly proportional to the quality of your relationships. The quality of your life 
It's not directly proportional to the quality of the things that you own or the things that you have or the car that you have or the house that you live in or the shoe that you are wearing or the shirt that you have on. The quality of your life is directly proportional to the quality of your relationship. So if your relationship is sad, your life will be sad. Unfortunately, because we struggle with our relationships we try to fill our lives with things. And we, we, we try to end up loving things and using people. It's a trap you shouldn't fall into. Loving things and using people. God wants us to love people and use things. So the greatest joy you will ever feel is going to come from your relationships not things. The greatest joy you will ever feel is going to come from your relationships and not things. In your outline, there's a scripture there, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the NIV version, it says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest, everybody say, but the greatest, but the greatest of this is love. Faith, you can do without any other person. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing from the word of God is an action. Hope, you can do alone. Faith, you can do alone. Love, you cannot do alone. So, God has designed us to be beings of relationships. And of course, the converse is also the, is also the case, which is the greatest pain you will ever feel is going to come from relationships and not from things. The greatest pain you will ever feel is going to come from people. In fact, the closer the person, the greater the pain they can inflict on you. The more vulnerable you are, the more pain you feel. So, as human beings, you know, we have this fight or flight mentality, which is we, we don't tend to um, enter into a shell and protect ourselves. One beating, twice shy, they say. So, you say, oh, now I've learned my lesson. You know, when people talk like that, what they are saying is that now I'm going to build a wall, a fence. But you see, you've been doing yourself a disservice because... Your life can only be as fulfilled as you are vulnerable. It's like, <laughs> how do we handle this? As men, we don't like to be weak. Men, am I correct? So, we, we, we don't want to be vulnerable to any woman. So, we, we come up with, leave me alone. Can't you see I'm busy? And we build walls. But you see, I'm praying today that God will help you so that you can be all that God has made you to, to be. In fact, in the Western world, they've, they've, a lot of people have replaced relationship with human beings with relationship with dogs and cats and pets. So, they love their dogs. In fact, the, the pet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. 
Why? Because the girl knows that this dog is not going to break my heart. Every time I come home, the dog is always wagging his tail. Oh, what a cute dog. But you see, that dog is just a dog. At the end of the day, <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> you need a human being. If you're a man, you need a woman. If you're a woman, you need a man. In a marriage situation, that is. Praise the name of the Lord. You need people around you. Someone, J.F. Newton, says that people are lonely because they build walls instead of building bridges. People are lonely because they build walls instead of building bridges. Why? Because we, we, we learn from our example. Learn, quote-unquote. So we protect ourselves. So we, we, we kind of come up with all sorts of gimmicks. And because we are hurt, hurting people hurt people. Write that down, please. We are taking notes. Hurting people what? Hurt people. So because we are hurt, we hurt. Because we are in pain, we inflict pain. And Galatians 5.15 warns us, I mean, and this is so clear. It says that from the NCV translation, it says if you go on hurting each other and tearing each other apart, be careful or you will completely destroy each other. So if you have a department that, you know, they are always backbiting, they are always talking about about the other person, they're always hurting the other person. God says, such a department will soon tear itself apart. If you have a family that is always hurting each other, it's as if there's a contest. That family will soon tear itself apart. That's what the word of God says. God wants us to build bridges and not walls. So, you're saying, pastor, so what do I do? What do I do when, I, when I'm faced with frustration? I'm frustrated in this relationship. My relationship with my children, with my teenage son, teenage daughter, she's just unreasonable. What do I do in my relationship with my spouse? What do I do in my relationship with my parents or my parents-in-law? What do I do when I'm filled with anger? What do I do, pastor, when I'm overwhelmed with hurt? What do I do when I'm filled with resentment? What do I do when I'm confronted with confusion? What do I do when I'm struggling with selfishness? What do I do? You see, anyone can make a relationship work in a 90-minute Hollywood movie. Anyone can make a relationship work. In fact, if you are saying, okay, pastor, I don't do Hollywood, I do Nollywood to be continued. <laughs> After 90 minutes, another 90 minutes, that's what? 120. Okay, to be continued again, another 90 minutes. Anyone can make a relationship work in 270, 360 minutes. But you see, real life 
it's going to take more than 90 minutes. Real life is going to take more than two hours. Real life is going to take more than 300 pages of meals and boom. Real life is going to draw blood. But today, God is going to empower you to triumph in the mighty name of Jesus. Why? Because God has some clear directions for us. We are going to give us some practical advice from God's word on relationship. We are going to see practical advice on what to do when everything is failing and falling apart. We are going to see some directions from God how to love an imperfect person. How do I love someone that has daggered me so deeply? We are going to see what do you do when all is not working perfectly and you feel frustrated? What do you do, pastor? What do you do? Four things. Five. Okay, maybe six. Five. Number one, what do I do? Number one, thank God for your differences. Whatever relationship you are in. It could be with your, your, your son, your daughter. It could be with your husband. It could be with your wife. It could be with your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, or your colleague at work. Whatever relationship you are in, thank God for your differences. It's because some of the greatest frustrations we face in relationships is because we are different. We are different. And because the other person is different, we, we, are, we easily conclude that the other person is wrong. But difference is not error. Difference is just difference. Many parents think that teenage children are, are crazy. And many teenagers think that parents are old school. They're just different. Praise the Lord. Many mother-in-laws think their daughters-in-laws are just wasteful. Wasting my, my son's money. Have you heard that before? <laughs> Many daughters-in-law think their mother-in-law is a witch. <laughs> but they're just different. They're just different. Many husbands think their wives are... How many wives think, oh, that guy. The only mistake I made in life <laughs> is to marry this chimpanzee. <laughs> President of the <laughs> But you see, one of the best things that can happen to you is to accept that the other person is just different. That's one of the best things that can ever happen to you in any relationship. The person is not necessarily wrong. wrong. The person is just different. I mean, it could be a background different. Ah, my wife, for instance, is very different from me. Very, very different. You know, sometimes... The way we are so shocked that the other person is different is that, come on, what do you expect? But 
we still don't get over it. For instance, got married. The bulb goes out. I really don't mind. <laughs> it's just one bulb. Come on. And she, it's as if she can't eat because the bulb went out. And I said, what exactly are we talking about here? That the bulb went out? That's why we're having this discussion? She says, hey, my, my father will have changed the bulb. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not your father. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not. And she gets up and she changes the bulb. Mm-hmm. They say that uh, the man saw the snake. The woman killed the snake. She means for the snake to die. It was a major issue. Something as simple as that. For instance, I've shared, shared, shared with you guys before. My wife, for some strange reason, I still don't understand it. Presses a toothpaste from the middle. Who does that? Some people are raising their hands. No wonder. <laughs> Who does that? You know, I mean, I press my toothpaste from top to bottom. I mean, that's how they are designed. And she takes it and she just and 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 I see the toothpaste and my stomach churn. I'm like, come on. And I'll take it to her. And I, I, I try to be nice. Really nice. Say, baby. See this toothpaste. Please. You are supposed to press it from the top. And she, you know, and she will laugh. That makes it worse. Because it means you are not listening to me. I'm telling you what is really hurting me. And you are laughing. Now, you got to a point, guess what I did? You have to be wise. The one that she spent from middle, I left it for her. I went to buy another one. <laughs> I told you that story now. Guess what? She left it. I went to press. <laughs> I will skip the rest of the story. <laughs> Men and women are different. Men and women are different. If two people agree on everything, one person is not necessary in that relationship. If two people agree on everything, one person is irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. You know, let, let me give you one, something that just happened to me today. I mean, yesterday, today, kind of. For some reason, I didn't understand. My wife would... <laughs> she would fill some kegs upstairs with water. Years before now, that would have been a major issue for me because I was like, why are you filling it with water? He says, what if there's no water? I said, what? We've been living together for... When is there no water? Women just want something like security. Do you understand? Of course, I ignored it. I'm like, okay, fine. This keg is just there, useless. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Guess what? Yesterday, they cut our water. <laughs> so, I would have come here smelling. <laughs> if she had not kept the water there. for, And I'm like, oh, why? That's why she kept the water. Okay. I see. <laughs> the 
truth is that sometimes you will not understand the other person. Just accept it. Don't try and force the person into your mold. In fact, that's the beauty of relationships. Romans 15, 7 says, I've done the scripture, but you can read that. God was deliberate about creating us differently. Romans um, 15, 7, it says, accept one another then, just as Christ, what? Accepted, underline accept, and accepted you to bring you, to bring praise to God. So, pastor, but what about the times when it's not differences, but it is a wrong, a fault, a sin? Am I supposed to accept that also? What if it's, if it's a fault, it's an error? So what should I do? Number two, what if I'm disappointed? It lets me down, what should I do? She let me down. What should I do? Number two, go to God with your disappointment. Go where? Go to God with your disappointment. As long as you are dealing with human beings, you are going to be disappointed. You can take it to the bank. As long as you are dealing with human beings, you are going to be disappointed. Go to God with your disappointment. Um, Ephesians 4.2 says... Be patient with each other. Be what? Patient with each other. Making, underline allowance. Making allowance for each other's faults because of what? Your love. The Bible did not say, no, 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 no. I want to pause there. Please, can you kindly look up? The Bible did not say making excuses for each other's faults. That's what some people do and it's wrong. You are not supposed to excuse people's fault. The guy is beating you black and blue. And you are saying, no, pastor, don't worry. That's, that's how they grew up in their family. You know, their father beat the brothers. Why? It's okay. He's actually a very loving husband. Pastor, you don't understand. Have you heard women talk like that? Don't excuse it. The Bible did not say Excuse it. The Bible says, make allowance for it. In other words, make provision for it. So, so God is saying, you, 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 how to deal with it is this. This has to be dealt with. But I know it will take time. That's allowance. I'm not going to throw you away, the baby and the bad water. In other words, Let's say um, um, the guy is on drugs and is wrecking the finances of the family, children, bad example. What do you do? It may be very wise to leave him alone and let him go and solve his drug problem. Go and get help. He may come back clean then you've given him allowance. Does that make sense? He's punching you black and blue. He that fights and runs away. Leaves the fight another day. Leave him alone. Let him go and, let him go and resolve his issues. 
That's allowance. Doesn't mean you give up on relationship altogether. You never know what God will do. But sometimes relationship never survives it. Praise the name of the Lord. But God says, give allowance. And sometimes the disappointment is nobody's fault. It's not anybody's fault. You're just, it's, it's because the world is broken. It's because the world is broken. It's not anybody's fault. Example. A lady gets married. The guy has been providing. Da, 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 da. She gets married and for some reason the guy had an accident and he couldn't walk again. The family is in jeopardy. She endures month one, month two, month three. After her wife says, ah, <laughs> no way. I'm gone. And she goes. I mean, I've shared the story like that before with you guys. I'm sorry, man. When you married me, I had a new I had a car. And now, we, both of us are jumping bike. No, 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 no. I'm going back to my father's house. And she did. This world is broken. Things happen. But love endures. Love perseveres. Praise the name of the Lord. So sometimes disappointment is not anybody's fault. Sometimes disappointment is because of our own faulty expectations. We have a faulty expectation. Faulty expectation. Oh, I want a perfect this. Oh, I want a perfect that. Oh, I want a perfect marriage. Oh, I want... Then you like perfect marriage. Anybody that has been married here, and you have a perfect marriage, let me see your hands up. It's nothing like that. Perfect this, perfect that. Nothing is perfect. This world is broken. Guess what? We love suffers long. Love endures. You know, if I want a perfect honeymoon. If there's no perfect honeymoon. Honeymoon is usually where you have your first real fight. You think you know each other, you don't know nothing. Praise the Lord. And sometimes it could be something else that is not a quarrel. For instance, let me give you an example. Um, my friend, I told you about our honeymoon, you know. So we were in, in Belgium. We're going from, you know, Antwerp, you know, um, Brussels. And for some strange reason, you know, I never fall ill. I mean, I, can't, I couldn't remember the last time I fell ill before then. And between then and now, it's 13 years, I can't remember falling ill by God's grace. And I had malaria. Ah, ah. Which kind of enemy is that? On your honeymoon. Kilo day. And I was, it was so bad, I was hospitalized. So what do we do? But my wife responded so well. I mean, it was just, in fact, even after the barrier had gone, I still pretended I still had barrier. I enjoy so pampering. Now, okay, am I the only one that does that? <laughs> now, 
even though that was a, um, that was like a third of the whole period. But you see, that third, one third of the whole period could have been messed, so could have messed up the whole thing because of how we responded to it. What am I saying? Things happen. Someone said, Anonymously, I don't know the person that said it, but it's a very popular quote that you don't need a perfect relationship. You need someone who won't give up on you. That's all you need. But question will you be that person that won't give up on your loved ones? Will you be that person? So, Pastor, so what do I do with disappointment? Go to God and give it to God. Because the roots of disappointment, like we explained, is expecting from a person what only God can deliver. When you expect from a person what only God can deliver, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You expect a person to be perfect. Guess what? It's only God that is perfect. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. You expect someone to always be there for you. There is no human being on earth that can always be there for you. It's only God that can always be there for you. You expect someone, a human being, to never fail you. Ah. In fact, do you want to kill the person? Nobody has that capacity. The only person that does not fail is who? It's God. And this may shock some people, particularly those that are yet to get married. But those that are married, they know what I'm saying, what I'm about to say now. There's no human being on earth that can fully satisfy you. None. Hey, Pastor. Is that true? Yes. None. The only person that can fully satisfy you, that has the capacity to fully satisfy you, is the Holy Spirit. It's God. So, to demand from a woman, or to demand from a man, what only God can supply is idolatry. It's idolatry. It's idol worship. I'm just turning the person to God. And the converse is also the case. The only person you can fully satisfy is God. You cannot fully satisfy your wife or your husband. It's not possible. Don't kill yourself. Do your best and leave the rest to God. I'll say, hmm. It's true. It's tough. But because you don't hear these things normally. But it's the truth. So you don't set yourself up for a huge crash. When your heart is in the right place, then your relationships become easy. Why? Because you're not placing on any human being what only God can deliver. You, you, are, you are putting what God can deliver only at God's doorstep, not at any man's doorstep. So in every relationship, you always have a choice to bail out or to stick it out. 
you will always have a choice. Even in your relationship with God, you will always have a choice. To bail out or to what? Stick it out. So what will it be? What will it be? Every relationship has its promise and its problems. Every relationship has its promise and its problems. You enjoy the promise. What do you do when the problem comes? You bail out. What do you do? Ask your neighbor, bail out or stick it out? Tough. Really tough. But you see, the, the, the juice of it is when you stick it out, because it will all pass, you can look back and you have a story to tell. Praise the name of the Lord. You have a story to tell. Um, God wants us to understand that relationships, particularly covenant relationships, can be very tough. By the end of the day, love overcomes all things. I want to, I want to show us a video of a young man that met a young lady but along the line, of course, they grew up together. And um, there's a huge lesson to learn from it. Let's roll the video. That kind of story doesn't happen without commitment. First Corinthians 13.7 says that love never gives up. Never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through how many of the circumstances? Every circumstance. So in, in real life, you will face real disappointments. That disease you talk about, imagine having someone that doesn't even recognize you. And fully committed to loving her. Wow. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so go to God with your disappointment and watch God do a miracle. But the question is, Pastor, what about the time when I, I, I don't feel hurt, I don't feel angry, I don't feel disappointment? The truth is, I don't feel anything. I'm in a state of apathy. I'm, I'm numb. What do I do? What do I do? Number three, I trust God with my feelings. So trust God with your feelings. Trust God with your feelings. Recognize that when you don't feel anything, you have a God who can be trusted with your feelings. Why? Psalm 62 verse 8 says, trust God at all times. Tell him all your problems, all your feelings, all your disappointments, how you don't even feel anything. Because God is your protection. Hebrews 10, 33 23, Hebrews 
10.23 says, we can trust God to do what he promised. We can. So, so write the word love down. L-O-V-E. Write it down. L-O-V-E. Now the question is, that word, L-O-V-E, is it a feeling or an action? The truth is that it is both feeling and action. But sometimes the feelings go away. When the feeling is there, the action is effortless. But sometimes the feeling is just not there. So what do you do when the feeling is not there? I'm married to this guy for 12 years. I don't feel nothing. Right now, Pastor, honestly, nothing. What do you do? What you do is you use your head and do the right things and your heart will follow. Do take actions in love and watch the feelings come back. You don't feel. Do. To be, do. To become, you have to do. Say, Pastor, Pastor, would that not be hypocritical? You taught us not to be hypocrites. Listen. No, it's not hypocritical. Because faith works by love. And faith calls those things that be not as though they, they were. So, <laughs> if you've been married at all, you know what I'm saying. No, as anybody here, you've been, you've been married, you've never felt at any time, I don't love this babe, I don't love this man. Put up your hand. You've only been married for one day, that's why. <laughs> Even though there's no hand that went up. You drift, you know, because we are human beings, sometimes we drift out of it. Sometimes we, you see, everything that you, 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 um, weed grow where there is abandonment. Anything that you do, you abandon, weeds will grow. So, what do you do when all of a sudden I've, I've drifted as it were? I mean, maybe I'm focused too much on work, or maybe I've, I've allowed a season to take too much out of me. So what do I do when I find myself in the place when my, um, my, my heart, my feelings are not there? What do I do? I act in love. That's what I do. I still open the door for my wife. I don't feel nothing yet, but I open the door. I don't feel nothing yet. I kiss her every morning. I don't feel nothing yet. I bring breakfast to her in bed. Well, I begin to feel something. <laughs> I'm coming upstairs without tree. <laughs> because that's how it works. So if you're married here and you're feeling, oh, Pastor, I see this marriage has run out of wine, 
Good news for you. You can pump the wine right back into it. Praise the name of the Lord. Go with your head and your heart will follow. But the question is, why do feelings die in relationship? One major reason why feelings die in relationship, listen to this, is because we live a lie. We live a lie. We see something that is it's like an elephant in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it. There's an issue here, but nobody wants to talk about it. A story that I mean that I, that I heard of recently, you know, goes like this. There was this guy that said this Christmas Eve is not going to drink alcohol. So, and he took this guy sharks every day, you know, consistently. So this day he said this Christmas Eve is not going to drink alcohol. He's going to wait, and it was a big deal for him. The day went by, he did not drink alcohol, and guess what happened on Christmas Day? He loaded his van with alcohol, drove to a quiet place. Unknown to him, there was a monastery there. And the guy drank and drank and drank until he was dead drunk. So in his drunken state, he decided that he's going to sing every Christmas song that he knows. Today is Christmas. Silent night, holy night. A drunk man singing at the top of his voice. But in there where Monks. And they couldn't say anything. Why? Because they have what they call the vow of silence for 12 hours at night. In the morning, the leader of the monks came out and said that was one torturous night. We're listening to Christmas hymns. And songs from a drunk man singing at the top of his voice. Because we had a vow of silence. What vow of silence have you had in your relationship? That issue, we are not talking about it again. Well, you know it's still there. It's staring you in the face. You think it's the wise thing to treat me like a puppet? Guess what? As Long as it is there, every day is going to be leaking the feelings. The feelings will be dropping. Dum, 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 until it's depleted. Every day. So, Pastor, what are you saying? We have put this thing behind us. Really? You have? I didn't know that. How come you still feel the way you feel? You haven't. But if I bring it up, it's going to, there's going to be argument. There's going to be tension. I know. I know. But it's going to lead to healing. Praise the name of the Lord. It's going to lead to healing. That's the, that's the way. So some of you have taken a vow of silence. You'll be shocked at the number of Divorce cases that happen because no one had the courage to say, we have a problem here. You'd be shocked at the number of people that are getting divorced because of avoidance of arguments, of confrontation. 
Why? Because you can't, you see, there's so much you can do in your strength. You have been carrying and dragging and dragging by your strength, by your strength. Don't kill yourself. Confront the elephant in the room. It's going to make you uncomfortable, I know. But it's inevitable. I wish there was another way. At least you have tried another way. It doesn't work. Why don't you just do what the word of God says and see it work? Lamentations 5.21 says, Lamentations 5.21 says, turn us around and bring us back to you again. That what? That our, that is our only hope. Give us back the joys we used to have. For some of us, we need to start with God. The joy you need to have, you used to have with God is gone. Because of an elephant in your life, in the room of your life, there's something that you are doing that is, 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 is causing a wedge between you and God. You have refused to face it. You have refused to bring it forward. And it has drained the joy. There's no going forward until you confront it. There's no going forward until you address it. And in our earthly relationships, it's the same. There's no going forward. But today you will go forward. In the mighty name of Jesus. So to, to, to thrive in real relationships, in real world relationships, not Mills and Booms relationships, not Nollywood relationships, not Hollywood relationships, not Bollywood relationships. Those ones can sing. What are those songs again? No. It's only this number I know. Which other one? This would be. Uh, how can I forget? Those were powerful love songs. I've forgotten. Some of you remember. So, to thrive in real world relationships. Thank God for your differences. Go to God with your disappointments. Trust God with your feelings. Number four, ask God for his direction. Ask God for his direction. If you need wisdom, the word of God says in James 1.6, NLT, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, do what? Ask him. Everybody say Ask. Just ask him. Ask him. Ask him. Lord, how do I take? This relationship with my mother-in-law to the next level. What do I do? Lord, should I take this job? Lord, help me to discuss this matter with my teenage son or teenage daughter. Should I marry this person? Ask him. Ask him. Ask him. And he says, and he will what? Gladly. I would say gladly. He will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. But when you ask, now, this is the clause. This is the, is the, is the key thing here. When you ask, be sure that you really expect him to answer. Because many times we don't want to hear what God has to say. When you ask God, be sure 
that you really expect him to answer. You know, I've, I've, I've told this story before. A young man came to the office and said to me that, okay, Pastor, um, I have two babes I've worked on, you know. I've invested heavily. A day two, three. Yeah, three, yes. You know, um, he's keeping simultaneous girls. And he says, now it's time for me to get married. I want to settle down. I'm like, okay. He says, um, one's name is Amino. I'm fictitious names. The other one is Chinyere. The other one is Yetunde. Pastor, choose one. Which one is, which one is God saying? <laughs> you know, and the impression I got at the time of the Lord was, what if it's none of them? So I said to him, what if it's none of them? He said, ah, Pastor, I've invested in this three. Let God choose one out of these. They are good girls. Let God choose one. When you ask God, be ready to do what he says. It may not make sense to you now, but it will do you well for years to come. Do I get an amen? amen. There's a man that has to set. <laughs> so, so the question is, how do I know he's God? How do I know he's God? There was a man, he's now a pastor, that said when he was in um, college, he was... He had a, a lady he wanted to date. And because he was a new Christian, he didn't know how to hear from God. He, he says to God, there was this rock radio station. He says to God, he puts off the radio station, says to God, God, I'm going to put on the radio station. The music that plays, let it be your answer. And he put on the radio station, and the music was, Dump that girl, dump that girl. <laughs> Now, now, in 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 this case, <laughs> in this case, he did, and that was not the person he got married to. But it's such an incredible risk because there was another one, also a pastor that said similar situation. He was in a rock station. He says. Maybe country music, a country station. God, as I tune to this radio station, speak, Lord, your servant hear it. And he tuned the radio station, run for your life. <laughs> you know, and, and he ended up marrying the woman. They had maybe three, five children. I mean, they had a fantastic life. Because God doesn't speak. God did not guarantee that he's going to speak by radio stations. <laughs> he can, but you cannot depend on it. So, Pastor, how do I know? That is... I'm going to give you pointers. We want to know more. Attend NCR, New Creation Reality. There's a whole class called Hearing from God. You go through that class, you begin to hear from, in fact, you more, like, more like you begin to recognize God's voice because God most likely is already speaking to you already. But number one is word. Go by the word. God says don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So what do I say? I'm not saying you are better than anybody. I'm just saying that's what the word of God says. Direction. But in some cases, the word of God is not Clear like that. Okay, the person is a believer. Can I marry every believer? No. That's where you need to cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You need 
to develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You must be able to pay attention to the nudges of God, the confirmations of God. That's number two. Number three, in the multitude of counselors, there's what? Safety. There's safety. There's safety. Intelligence, like we learned um, on Sunday. And we get the rest from NCR. First Corinthians 7, 17 says, First Corinthians 7, 17, it says, be sure in deciding these matters that you are living as God intended. Marrying or not marrying in accordance to God's direction and help and accepting. Everybody say, and accepting. Accepting whatever situation God has put you into. Now, you know, read the Bible. Marrying or not marrying. Truth be told, not everyone will marry. Oh, pastor, you shouldn't be saying that. But that's the truth. They're not in the Bible. Not everybody will. Now, if you want to, you will, in Jesus' name, say amen. But you see, where you should start from, which is where I started from, when I read the scripture, years ago, like 96, 95, 95, 20 years ago, I was at the basement of um, my department, in Lord, and I asked God, let's settle this matter now. Do you want me to get married? Tell me! Now, God saw my heart. I was ready. If God says don't get married, that, I was, that was the end. Well, you know what God said to me? Go and marry, my friend. You, 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 you don't marry. <laughs> Everybody is saying they, they will marry. You too, you are saying they will marry. You don't even know yourself. It was like that that he said it. Not word for word, but like that. So I say, hey, what do you mean? I can't, I can't do it. He said, go and marry. Point is this. Not everybody has the gift not to marry. But be ready to do what God asks for you. You are married already. You are saying, God, did I marry the right person? It's too late. Say, but pastor, what if I made a mistake? Listen. Listen. God is able to make all things work together for your good. In Jesus' name. So, don't worry about Once you are married, it's going to work out for good. You can only wrestle with these questions before you should before you get married. <clears throat> so if you and I are going to build a great relationship, number one, thank God for our differences. Number two, go to God without disappointment. Number three, trust God for our feelings. Number four, ask God for direction. Number five, finally, look to Jesus as your example. Look to Jesus as your example. Why? Because the best of relationships tend to struggle with selfishness. The best of relationships. 
If you don't look to Jesus as your example, the best of relationships struggle with selfishness. So, example. Just got married. Baby is born. Three months, four months, five months old baby. For some reason, he just like eating at night. Have you noticed that? I don't know why. Most of them. Some people say theirs don't. I don't know. Most of them. Or at the time, they should not be asking for food. You know that time? Then they're asking for food. Now, madame wakes up at 1 a.m. You know she woke up. You change your gear. She wakes up at 3 a.m. You know she woke up. You change your gear. At 4.30, you are awake. The baby is crying again. You pretend as if you are sleeping. The woman is tired. You start to kick her. Can't you hear that baby is crying? She says, please help me. Say, no, 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 no. You know, I have work to do today. Selfishness. I hate that some men do it. <laughs> I don't know this kind of men that do such things. I'm telling you my story. You know. I'm sure you figured that out already. The best of relationships struggle with selfishness. That's why you have to consistently put Jesus at the center. So if selfishness is, a, is unselfishness or selflessness is a major key to a great relationship, how do I become unselfish? There's a man that said to me, Pastor, I am a selfish man. I know I'm selfish and there's nothing I can do about this. No, 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 I don't want to do anything about it. I said, you're going to lose your marriage. He says, I know. And he lost his marriage. He says, I don't mind. I just want to remain selfish. It sounds funny, but it's true. Some people just don't want to be selfless. They just want to, listen, you cannot have a great relationship if you're not selfless. You can't. If you think it's always about you, it's going to be very rocky. So, how do I become unselfish? Number one, give yourself a selfish reason to be unselfish. Feed your selfishness with unselfishness. The pastor, is, is, is that right? God does that to us all the time. He says, you will serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water. And he will put none of these diseases upon you, which are upon the Egyptians. He knows that you, don't, you want your bread to be blessed, selfishness. You want your water to be blessed, selfishness. You don't want to be sick, selfishness. God says, come and serve me. I will give you that. Feed your selfishness. With your selfishness. Give yourself a reason to be unselfish. A reason, what am I saying? Give yourself a reason to be unselfish, yeah. A selfish reason to be unselfish. So, take husband and wife's teacher, for instance. You come home, your wife is slaving away in the kitchen. You really are very selfish. 
You don't. You just want to sit down and let somebody serve. Your slave should serve you. She needs help to do A, B, C, D. She's asked for help. You really don't want to do it. But you think about the dividends if you do it. Now, if you don't get that, you don't get it. That's a selfish reason, right? But do it. <laughs> so that... Ah. We get that on Sunday morning. <laughs> Number two. How do I become unselfish? I need a better example through which I can have power over selfishness. Because in some cases... I don't, there's nothing to gain. But I just have to be selfless. So, in such cases, I need to look at the example of Jesus, the better example, so that I can rise above it. Forgive the person that has offended you. I really don't want to forgive. I want to, you know. In fact, there's even a selfish reason to, be, to forgive. But beyond that selfish reason, but because what selfish reason to forgive? It's for your own good because it's like they say, somebody said, it's like you are drinking poison and you think somebody else will die. So you think your unforgiveness is hurting somebody else. No, 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 no. You are killing yourself. So forgive. Praise the Lord. But beyond that, if you look at how Jesus forgave you, The example of Jesus going to the cross is easy for you to forgive. If you see the example of how Jesus served us, it's easy for you to serve, even if there's nothing in return. Ephesians 4:32 says, Be kind and loving to each other. Forgive each other. How? Just as God forgave you. In Christ. Unselfish reason. Philippians 2, 3, 5, 6 says, Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. Think of others better than yourself. Wow. Your attitude should be the kind that was shown to us by Jesus Christ. Who though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He was God, but he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. God says, use him as an example. The story is told of, of, of a mother that had two sons, Jason and Jake. Jason is the elder brother. Jake is the younger brother. So the mom was making pancakes in the kitchen. Now, as this boy smelt these um, pancakes, you know what boys do? They came to the kitchen and they sat down on the kitchen table waiting for pancakes. And you know, small pancake um, salsa, the mom makes one and puts it down. And the mom saw it as, an exa- as a perfect opportunity to teach about selflessness and Jesus. And the mom said to Jason and Jake that boys, if Jesus were here, he would wait for his brother to have the first pancake and wait patiently for the second pancake. 
And Jason looks at Jake and says, Jake, you be Jesus. Because <laughs> this pancake, I ain't compromising it. The question is, in our relationships, are you saying to the other person, you be Jesus? You be Jesus. You be Jesus. Or are you going to be somebody saying that there? Are you going to be why? Because one unselfish act can change everything. Just one unselfish act can change everything. We have wives that are waiting for their husbands to be Jesus. We, are wait, we have husbands that are waiting for their wives to be Jesus. After all, you, you went for prayer meeting. Is that what they are teaching you in your prayer meeting? Have you heard men say that before? That's a selfish man saying, you be Jesus. You be Jesus. But A, if they tell you to be Jesus, be Jesus. It's tough, but that's the call. So when we look at what Jesus has done for us, it's easy to be who he has called us to be. The final scripture there says, 1 John three eighteen. It says, let us stop saying we love people. Let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them. And show it by our what? Action. So as, as we round up now, I want you to do something. I want you to write down this question. What am I going to do today? This between now and Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four days, what am I going to do? Who am I going to talk to? Whose difference am I going to accept? What silence am I going to break these four days? Which elephant in the room are we going to confront? What unselfish act or word am I going to do or say in these four days? Between now and Sunday, what am I going to do to make my relationship with my mother-in-law better? What am I going to do to make my relationship with my teenage child better? What am I going to do to make my relationship with my husband better? What am I going to do to make my relationship with my wife better? What am I going to do to make my relationship with my colleagues better? What am I going to do? Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.
Thank you.